Hello. Please consider supporting this podcast by joining our Movers Mindset Insiders program. Membership is $5 per month, and insiders get early access to podcast episodes, exclusive emails, and a private discussion area. You can also submit questions for the monthly guest Q&A follow-up episodes, and you'll get the occasional discount codes for cool swag. Interested? Read more at moversmindset.com slash insiders. Thanks for listening. Hello, I'm Craig Constantine. Hi, I'm Dylan Johansson. Dylan is the owner and founder of Innate Movement Parkour in beautiful Kingston, New York. He's a lifelong musician and performer and is best described as a person who follows his bliss. Welcome, Dylan. Thanks for having me. So let's just start by uh, putting you into the spatial picture a little bit. Uh, how did you get into parkour and like, how do you end up being a person who started innate movement and just like... Totally. Should I kind of do the whole origin story and then... Um, you can. I try to avoid the origin stories, but there are parts of your origin story that are going to come in that are important. So whatever level you want right. to bring in. <clears throat> well, I guess the, um, I first found parkour um, just by seeing one of the David Bell French news videos um, and it just immediately resonated with me. I was like, I have to go do that. Um, you know, I was one of those kind of monkey kids, like like many of us who were climbing on things always. And um, as soon as I saw it, I was like, yes, I, I I must go. But at the time, I was very, you know, kind of like hippied out. I just got out of college, and I didn't want to like train on concrete. I just want to train in the woods and feel connected to nature. Oh, that's actually an interesting parallel to how they really started, right? Right, right, exactly. Um, like the Sarcel situation, mm-hmm. right? Um. But so, you know, I, I went out and I, tra- I trained a little bit, and this was in like 2006 or 2007, for like a few months, um, and then I actually like broke my fibula and like destroyed my ankle in like an old man flag football league. Um, <laughs> Ow, yeah. I'm laughing because you're using the word old man. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, that's how I thought about it at the time. Um, and, um, and yeah, w- with that experience, I was like, oh, you know, maybe I'm too old and fragile for to do this. I can't train parkour. Like par- Parkour isn't for me, which is just hilarious. Right. So you're over now. the hill and your life ended at what age? Exactly. I was like 23, oh, which okay. is hilarious now. You know, how much almost... would you give a leg to be 23 again? Exactly, <laughs> yeah. As, as a person pushing 34, I was like, what, what are you th- talking about? You know, I was like, you're in the prime of your life. But um, So at the time, that's how I thought about it. So then I just let a lot of years go by and I um, really just kind of embraced the unhealthiness and you know, I just sort of like went for it of you know just eating <laughs> What's terrible the most things comfortable and, sofa I can buy exactly right? yeah I was like this is all over you know time to just it was like hospice or something it's time to just try to be just make yourself comfortable and ride it out to the end man um so uh, a few years went by of that um at a certain point something you know flipped back on and I um you know reprioritized becoming fit um and then around 2013 Parkour just came back across my field of view, um, just on the internet again, I imagine. And I was like, you know what? No, like I can do that. Like I'm in the fittest, I'm in the best shape of my life. I was like 29. Rage quit the potato chips, right? <laughs> right. I was like, I'm out of here. You know, so I'm like, I, I, I have to go do that immediately. So, like the, the next day, I just drove myself to, you know, uptown Kingston and just started, you know, touching walls and stuff, just going into like alleyways and climbing on them and, just figuring it out. I had, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't really know how to start. Some of those early sessions um, were literally like I would just park my car, stash my keys in the wheel well, and not have anything, and just run in a direction across the city and just go 
Just go across everything that came my past, like you know, jumping through people's yards and hopping over people's dogs and things I would never do now. Right, I'm right, like, right. come on, guys! Like, you're being very disrespectful. <laughs> right. for, yeah, but um, Kingston is neat because the city is um, just built up enough that it has like uh, a main street and has a bunch of shops. But then on Sunday, it like turns into a ghost town. So right. it's like nobody's looking. You can run through the backyard. Exactly, exactly, and that, and that's how like the early parts of my training. That's really like what it was. I was just. During during the week, you know, I was working in an office, you know, kind of Monday through Friday, nine to five thing, um, and so I would be, you know, doing you know push ups and physical conditioning and like you know hopping around in my kitchen and stuff during the week and thinking about parkour and reading about parkour and being obsessed with it. Um, but the main training days would really be yeah those Sunday, just long sessions. At, at, back in the day, every single time I trained it was like the epic four or five hour long sessions, and you know. Like you said, that that particular area of Kingston, because of like some, you know, strange one of those old um, ordinance city or ordinance, or something. exactly where it's like, oh, you're supposed to be closed on Sunday, so um, there was just no one there, and it was just like this little piece of parkour paradise, and it was also one of those like security through obscurity things, like no one knew what I was doing, and no one else trained, and I was the only one doing it, so going a different line every week, no, right, exactly, <laughs> yeah, it was just like you know ninja status, just in some alleyway, and no one would see me, no one knew what was it was happening, um, <clears throat> so that's obviously all different now. We need to be having more of a a public face when we're when we're out training in groups and stuff, but back in those days it was you know just um, the Wild true, West, right? yeah, lone wolf status. Um, but yeah, so um, so yeah, I, I was doing that for a while. Um, but yeah, I, I was getting a little banged up, you know, getting sort of hurt, and because I didn't know how to train, I didn't know what to do, I didn't know any of the techniques. No recovery, really. right? No, right. And so I reached out for resources like community or coaching in, in the area, and just came up totally. Blank. There just wasn't anyone to train with, or or to te- who knew more than me to teach me stuff. Um, and that's when eventually, just through Google searching and stuff, I found PK Gen, and through that, um, like learned that there was an Adapt Level One cert going on in Pennsylvania, near neck of the woods, um, that June, and I signed up just mainly at the time just to meet other people who train. <laughs> like right. I, I just didn't, you know. So it was basically almost like um partly starting on the coaching journey, but also partly going to like my like an intro parkour class. I just, you know, I had never really <laughs> hadn't met, met anyone who trained. Um and so went to that, um, you know, learned a lot and then started, you know, at, at that point I had just been, you know, training with some friends and trying to trying to get it going. Um, and just share it with more and more people. So I just have buddies to train with. Right. And one of the things that I think is interesting about your story is that you're on your what's one, two, third iteration of the gym. So that the mm-hmm. gym started in a inside a gymnastics space, uh, and then you know, I'll let you tell the story. But you've moved through three iterations, which is pretty unique. I think most people are happy if they can pull it off once. Right. So <laughs> I, I'm, what what I'm interested really is. There is a huge, I think, a huge number of people in America who are islands be- just because of where they live. Like America is right. a big place. So, like, like I went to Carlisle, Pennsylvania, one time, and there was a group of like five people who were super into this, and we showed up. And it wasn't that they were better than I was, but it was I did a weird climbing challenge, and it was just like this seed idea. And then they were off on it for forty five minutes, and I right. exhausted, and I moved on. So somehow you managed to go from. A guy with this urge that drew you off the sofa, and how did you get to like opening the first gym, and then like what's the actual story of like the second <clears throat> gym and then the third gym? Right. Um, well, yeah. So the, the shift where I eventually started thinking that I might be able to 
share this discipline with others professionally. Um, was actually when I got invited to do the level two course, like when when that first happened, and then when I went there and had that experience, and it was so amazing. Um, I started to think like, oh wow, like if other people who I respect so much can think of me in this way, that I I might be in a position to to share this with others, then maybe I can think about myself in that way as well. Community pulling you up, kind of concept, right? Um, and so a couple months after taking the level two course, I founded the organization. In a movement, um, and at the beginning times, there was literally just a handful of us. <clears throat> um, but it did occur to me there, there's the catch twenty two that I think a lot of people face when they're um, thinking about building a gym or trying to, you know, build up a community. Yeah. I've, I've heard a lot of people ask them like, "Oh, I, I want to create more of a community where I am, and like, how do I go about starting it?" Because there's the catch twenty two of there's some people who are down to come to their first parkour class, like outside, just reading, meeting in a random park, yeah. and like that's awesome. That's sort of self-select for a certain type of person, right? Um, which is maybe the most kind of people for whom parkour, yeah, the stereotypical parkour practitioner, right, is the type is of person, the person who would do that. Park in a random parking lot, show up with a bag, not know what's going on, have the wrong shoes, and still have fun, right? Exactly. But then there's like the rest of everybody who, um, <laughs> you know, would much prefer to come to like a space that seems very official and. Um, Padded. Um, so yeah, so there's that kind of like that catch twenty two. And so basically, the way it was is started with like you know a regular kind of outdoor class, and then um, started renting just like renting space in the corner of like you said a yeah. gymnastics gym. So at that time, I set it up with them where I was just like, okay, I'm going to give you fifty percent of everything I make. Um, so if I make you know eight dollars this month, I'll give you four, and it's all good. And I was still like working full time and just doing it on the, the evenings and weekends. And in the early time, one of the important clutch things was just having a few like ringers at the classes. Like my now wife Raina would come to every single class, and mm-hmm. my dad, just so that it wouldn't be like weird and awkward when a, a new person would come and <laughs> wait, be like, "Wait, while you're running, come back." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just me and you in this room, and like it's not weird. Come back, please. Um, yeah. So, so we we, we, we just would, somebody balancing changes the whole dynamic, right? right? Exactly. Just someone else in the room training, and so people feel like, oh, this is something that's happening. I can get involved with it. Um, so it was one of those kind of like fake it till you make fake it things make in a it. way. Yeah, if it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, that's what we call a duck. Right, right, exactly. And so then, you know, slowly but surely some people started getting involved. And um a few months into that initial process, the fellow who had had the gymnastics place that we were renting time out of sort of announced that, oh, they, I'm not gonna do this anymore. I'm just gonna close up shop and you know, you have like a couple of weeks, so good luck. Yeah. Um, and it was this really existential crisis moment where the organization faced, you know, like dying in the crib type of thing. Um, but so at that point, we looked around for other spaces and we hadn't grown enough where it really made sense to get somewhere huge. I was just too scared by promising to give. Yeah, someone like so much money 30, for five years. Square feet is a lot of money. Right, exactly. For five years, you know. Right, yeah. Um, so you know, we found a tiny little. You know, we would joke it was like a boutique parkour gym. It was like nine hundred square feet, and we we loved. Dude, it. I love that thing. It was you walked in. It was like, oh, it's got a, it's got an L. Actually, it goes around the corner. And, right, and, right. And when you filled it up with stuff, it actually got bigger for some reason. Yeah, exactly. It it, it is hilarious when. Um, we we designed it the way you would design like a ship or an airplane or something where there's no like wasted you know it's it's like it's not just the dining room table it's also the bed and you know um, so you know we we tried to be really creative in the use of the space and the interaction of the obstacles and I I did like love that gym but it was hilarious when we did move recently just January first we opened to our much bigger space like four times the size um, 
when we had gotten all the stuff out and I just looked at the, I just stood there alone in the room. I was like, what crazy person thought he could do a parkour gym in this? Like, in this, it's so little. It's <laughs> and wasn't like, there, there was like an art, uh, some kind of art thing on the other side of the wall or what was there? It was an art studio or right? Art, yeah, yeah. Gallery. Like that, that whole building was mostly like artist spaces and stuff like that. So it was like the size, the, the guy who had it before me was like a sculptor, you know? So it was just him alone in like a wheel and like there's enough room for that. And then I was like, I could do a parkour gym, it'll be fine. We'll hang five sets of rings from the ceiling. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, so I guess, yeah, so a, a couple years went by in that much smaller space. And at that point, we started to, I guess what we were doing, I guess we were doing something right because it was like growing a lot um, and a lot of interest and the buzz was starting to form and starting to reach that tipping point in the community where enough people knew about us that when someone was interested in, in this type of thing, they would be like, oh, I know there is a thing like that around right. here. Go check it out. Um, and so we kind of grew to the point where we were like, we got to get out of here. Like we're bursting at the seams. Right. Yeah. There's too many people. I can't get in the door to put my bag down to train. Right. right? Exactly. Exactly. So um, that's when we started looking for bigger spaces. Found the one that we found now. And um, yeah, we've been there since January first. So that that that's that's kind of the story of how I went from being training alone in an alley to having like three different gyms. But I, I think there's a years. really interesting middle step there that I don't know that I've seen. Anybody else do, which is the idea of um, someone once said to me, uh, smallest set of features that can be defined as success. So, not like what is the dream, but like, well, it has to have a door and it has to have a ballpark <laughs> right. and it needs to have students. Like, what's the minimum? So, I don't know that you were setting out intentionally to do that, but by picking a space that was, it, it is clearly too small. By picking a space yeah. that was too small, you set yourself up for. For at least avoiding the the failure of having too much money hanging over your head, like I can't make the rent, I can't get right. I need seventy people, right? Um, and then, of course, if it becomes a hotbed with oh, six people show up and it's crammed, then they tell their friends, "Man, I joined is jumping," right? And that yeah. might be a good intermediate step for people to consider. Like, don't <clears throat> think, "How do I start a five thousand square foot parkour gym?" Right. That's almost insurmountable unless you have resources and, right. and assistance. And and don't think that okay, I'm going to go into teaching in a gymnastic space as like I have to be there forever. Picture your stepping stones. I'll be in the gymnastic space for a year and a half. I'm not telling them that, but I'll be there for a year and a right. half. And then while I'm doing that, I'm looking for the next space to make a leapfrog. I'll be there for another like year an intermediate or Intermediate step, right? Yeah. No, exactly. And, I mean, it's almost, it feels analogous to like if your band is just getting started out, like you shouldn't book an arena. Like it's going to feel empty. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like get a small theater and then it'll feel like it's better to be in. A tiny theater that feels full and people are like standing room only, yeah. than to be in this huge space with like you know seven eighths of the seats. How are we feeling in row two? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. When I say the word successful, who's the first person that comes to mind? Hmm. Well, I mean, I definitely my idea of success is definitely not aligned with um some of the traditional notions that i feel like i've gotten from our culture of just being kind of having the biggest most important job or making the more, most money or having the biggest house um i definitely think that success is defined by happiness and and that does kind of come back to my idea of following your bliss like um whatever makes you satisfied and just the things that fire you up and um the relationships you're having with people, as long as those things are prioritized in your life, then that is what I think of as a successful life. A great example is a <clears throat> a guy like Rich Roll, um, which if you happen to know, he's like this like a uh, plant based ultra marathoner guy who, I guess, his kind of 
backstory is he had been this like corporate lawyer, big time corporate lawyer, and been like sort of quote successful unquote in the traditional sense. But he also was like really unhealthy and would tell stories of you know getting tired from yeah, walking stairs up the stairs. Are a challenge, right, the exactly. Says we have to talk about these numbers. Right, exactly. Yeah, the doctor was pretty much like you know you're going to have a heart attack like any second. Like what are, what are you doing? <laughs> exactly. And so he just had this moment where he was just like okay. <clears throat> I'm going to change up my diet. I'm going to start training. I'm going to quit my job as a corporate lawyer and just go like hang out on the beach or whatever he was doing. I, I, I don't know how he, how he made that work, but um, eventually he just became this like really successful ultra marathoner and just like running hundred mile races and winning them. And you know, at the you know, starting all this past the age of forty. Um, and um, now he just seems like this like pinnacle of health, and he just kind of like. Does what he he does his thing and he trains and he you know talks about it. I think he has a podcast, um, and so he's definitely a person I think would think of as like success just because like he I've seen like videos Defined of him. himself and then succeeded at that right exactly and he kind of just exudes this sort of um, <clears throat> um just kind of a calm glow or or or, or like a um, just a sense of. Self assuredness, I guess. Visible concept. You can just see they know where their North Star is and they're not right. like in a rush to get there, but you spin them around three times and they just settle back on the direction they want to go in. Right, exactly. And I, I think a lot of you know issues for people comes from having the idea of success or what they're supposed to be doing with their lives not be aligned with what they actually want, like inside. And that dissonance that's created from that, I think, causes a lot of suffering. And so, <clears throat> the sooner that we can figure out like what actually makes us happy and right. try to do more of that, then I think the better off we'll sort of be. But it, it is hard, you know. The um, I love jokingly referred to it as like the siren song of, you know, traditional success. It does draw you in. Like sometimes I even find myself sometimes with um, even now, where sometimes I'll be like, oh, should I be trying to like open up? A bunch more locations and create like a parkour empire. Like that would make right, me much I need more to train impressive. Coaches so that I can make a pyramid out of this. Right, like, exactly. No. And and then I'll have this moment where it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. That sounds like a lot to manage. Like I mainly <laughs> I I tried to set up this whole gig so that I could like share parkour with people, but also like train a lot. Like like work less and train more. Right. So, you know, the the idea of and it's already a, that's been one of the things that I've found in owning a gym is that there are so many it's not like all it I mean it is all it's cracked out to be, but it's also not all it's cracked out to be because there's so many just paperwork and just yeah. things to do, you know, and like I call that the sausage factory. Until you've owned a sausage factory, you have no idea what right, goes into making exactly. sausage. Yeah, totally. So there's there's a lot. And so the idea <clears throat> as soon as I'm tempted to be like, oh, maybe like this is going great, like we could probably open more locations and I blah 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 have an empire. And then I'm like, but then you'd have to do the paperwork for all that. Like, you know, <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't you rather just train and not yeah. have an empire? Instead of that, add more staff, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Instead of that, do more QM. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah. So sometimes, yeah, I still need to remind myself to like not accidentally slip onto the treadmill of, you know, traditional success or whatever. That that leads me to the thought that it may be that doing things wrong, maybe for years and wrecking your health or whatever, that may be your path, like one's path that you need right. to follow. Um, there, there's a whole bunch of questions that spring to mind that that really are good at digging into, they seem obvious, but then when you dig into the answer, it gets much more complicated. And, and one of them is, so if you had a time machine and you could go back to your, say, I don't know, 25, 20-year-old, 15-year-old self, and you know, what advice would you give and, and like tell me where you were at that time too? Right. Yeah, man, I... I was like a really angry kid. I, I when I was like fifteen, I had this episode where I like smashed my head through this like plate glass door in my the front of my parents' house just out of like rage and like got super cut up. And I, I still have like 
scars on my face and my neck where, you know, it was one of those classic things where the doctor was like, if this had been a millimeter <laughs> deeper, you would have bled out, you know. Um, <clears throat> and it was like, really, it was really bad. And, and the bolts on your neck are hardly noticeable. You right. <laughs> exactly. Um, Frank and Dill. But, um, but you know, I was, I was, I was, I was pretty angry and, um, I like partied way too hard during my, you know, college and twenties and stuff. And, um, I think that if I could go back and give some advice, I mean, yeah, so it, it's funny, but like, honestly, I would probably just try to convince my younger self to start training um, sooner, right? Sooner. Yeah. Because the, one of the things that parkour has been for me, it, it's funny, like advice, right? Um, I I've found that ideas in in my life just having an idea in your head oftentimes doesn't do the job. You know, when, when if it's an abstraction, like try to be more like this. Be like, well, what the heck? How do I how do I do that? Whereas, so one of the beautiful things about parkour is that in a certain way, even though it's a philosophy and even though it's um like you said a lens, that's a great way to think about it. Um, it, to a certain degree, it's it's a the methodology of it is what has really been successful for me. It's like it's very simple. It's like go do this thing. Like when in doubt, QM. You know, like yeah, when in as doubt. As trite as it sounds, the obstacle really is the path, right? Right, exactly. <clears throat> so it's like I feel like I for my teens and my twenties, I was trying to think my way into happiness, and mm-hmm. I couldn't ever find it because I could I would just lose lose the thread and get back into like dissatisfaction and. You know, react to that behavior. With, right, yeah, exactly. Self destructive behavior. And you don't have a lot of resources at that age. It's not like you could just take ten grand and oh, I'm going to go to France and find <clears> myself. You're you're really physically constrained right. as well as mentally. Absolutely. Um, and so that the the thing that really changed everything <clears throat> to a large degree was just parkour, where the just the doing. It's like okay, go do this thing and then see what happens. And what ends up happening is that the the joy sort of rises to the surface. It emerges, you know, um, it just naturally emerges from doing this thing rather than trying to think these thoughts, you know, like, um, or, or, or maybe one way to say it is before I was trying to think thoughts and create actions. And now what I do is do actions and have the thoughts that the surface positive thoughts that. surface. Um, so I think, yeah, probably the advice that I'll give my younger self is just, you know, start training parkour. So today's episode is, of course, brought to you by Coffee and Tesla. Say hello, Tesla. She's the quiet she's like dog. laying next to me, never barks. She's a total pit bull love hound. She keeps sneaking yeah. up on me and asking for belly rubs. So I have trouble reaching the mic while scratching the dog. So <laughs> while I'm scratching Tesla, Dylan, is there a story you'd like to share with us? Yeah, definitely. Um, the story, I mean, there's so many with parkour because, you know, obviously for all of us, there's, you know, every session is a journey, man. But um, the one that kind of pops to mind is uh when when I was first training like I mentioned earlier um you know at first I was just literally by myself and then I was you know like many of us early on we become like parkour evangelists it's just like this has changed my life like you should train like everyone should train <laughs> yeah, like I'm telling like, the mailman Do you I'm come t- with a speed slowdown right exactly <laughs> um but so uh, early on, I, I you know had taken a few like buddies out training who were you know athletic and I was like you should try this it's gonna be awesome and so my one friend um from grad school. Uh, we were out training, and I did like a wall run, and she tried it, and her like foot slipped down and kind of like smacked in the wall, and she's like, "Well, how, how did you do that?" And you know, I, um, you know, explained it in the in the best way I could, and um, and then she tried again, and then she did it right away, and she was all pumped up, and that was like the first, and this is very early on in my training, 
it was before level one, it was before any of that. Um, and that was the first moment where, where this kind of spark, this little voice in my head was like, you're good at this. Like this, you could, you could, you, you could, could share do this. this. Right. Um, and it first occurred to me that like, wow, the experience of sharing it and trying to help guide people through the process of self-discovery and watching and diagnosing movement from the outside and being able to give feedback and be like, oh, you know, your hips aren't high enough or, or lean back more or whatever. Um, and then you know, saying a few words based on that, and then having the person having something click, and then they could do a thing that they couldn't do five seconds ago, and the feeling of excitement that is showing on their faces, and and um, I just got so like so juiced up from it. I was like super stoked. Yeah, there's that bliss, right? <laughs> right, exactly. And yeah, and that was the first time I just had this this echo of this voice being like, this could be a thing that you could do. And at that point, you know, I was like, you know, halfway through my MBA and working. At that point, like I was on track. To you know, I was, I was trying to be like the sort of marketing director of my organization. I've been like climbing the corporate ladder for ten years or whatever, um, and um, and and training was just like a hobby. Um, but that that was the first moment where I was like, ooh, like some 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 very 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 faint voice because it didn't make any sense at the time. Like my life was not set up to do that. You know, coach. like yeah, from a lot of from from the outside in a lot of ways, like. Pursuing parkour as a career was like a terrible idea. Like I had a mortgage, and like I had been, you know, <laughs> becoming traditionally successful in in the in the in in, in the yeah the traditional sense. Um, and um, the idea of you know just sort of like switching gears, even though I had all the student debt from grad school and everything, and and, um, and just like being a broke parkour coach was like a terrible idea. But some some voice in my head was like, "This is what you want to do." You keep hearing it, right? Right. And so that the, the, I guess the, the yeah. The, so that story, I like that story because it was the first time I heard that voice, and then that voice got like louder and more consistent to the point where I was like, "All right, screw this. I'm going to Peter Pan it and just quit my job and go be a parkour coach all the time." Um, but that was like the first moment I heard that voice. So I guess that that's the story that I, I like think to I share. remember the uh, the Facebook post the day you quit actually quit your job. It was oh, like yeah. this this like I quit. Yes, well, I hope totally. this works. Yeah, exactly. It's like okay, I'm I'm gonna go do it. Yeah, that was an exciting day. It's yeah, driving home from work that day, like the day that I you know because like I said I I um I, I started home working from where you used to work right, right? exactly because I, I got that job literally the day after I graduated college. Like graduation was on a Sunday. I started working there on a Monday. And then ten years, like my entire life had gone by, um, in in the intervening time, and um, you know the the last time I drove home on the commute from 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 that job, it was just like yeah, it was one of the best days of my life. I can't really describe the feeling driving away, being like I'm never going back there. Like this is <laughs> my new life. You know, it was, it was super cool, and you know all of that. I would be remiss without mentioning. You know the fact, or or without like thank thank you, Raina, my wonderful wife, who you know none none of this would have been able to happen like without her. You know, the, without a partner, without exactly, a sounding board, without exactly. That, that's another thing too. Like when I feel like the, you know, when there's been a couple of people who have asked for advice or have been curious of like how can I go about going from being, you know, a person just training by myself to, you know. Yeah, the begin the the person who starts a community or the person right. who starts a gym. Exactly. Yeah, um, like the Johnny Parkour seat of this area. Um, th- there's a, like a few key factors, and one you know, kind of like we touched on earlier of slow incremental growth, and not not ever biting off more than you can chew. Like you can't go from being by yourself, like renting a five thousand square foot space by yourself isn't that's a terrible idea. Like you know, you you should build it up slowly and incrementally and and st- step by step and 
you know, keeping costs low and stuff at the start. Um, but also just having a, I would definitely recommend having like a partner with a real job. You know, <laughs> like so, like when, when I was first going, and I was like, now now things are going better. But like at first, it was just like, okay, like I feel comfortable with doing this because I have a partner who won't yeah. let me who starve, will, who won't let me starve, right? Who will not change the lock, right? Exactly. So that that was that was kind of um, a huge key to, to being able to have the freedom to to make the leap because you can only. When you're doing things on evenings and weekends and working full time and burning the candle at ten ends, <laughs> you know you can only add so much until you reach this kind of critical threshold where it's like, okay, I this isn't grown up enough to support myself entirely from it, but I can't add any more time. Like I can't have it grow anymore without making this leap. So that's another one of the. There's a few like that. That that's another one of the catch twenty two is just like. You know, if Besides. if you don't have a gym, you can't have people, and if you don't have people, you can't have a gym. It's like you know, if you don't have time, you can't have enough classes. And if you don't have enough classes, you can't quit your job and create the time. So, um, the the yeah, the the two ways that you know I was fortunate to be able to kind of solve those catch twenty twos was one was you know renting a little time and having it just and then getting a slightly bigger space and then getting a slightly bigger space. I mean, I would definitely recommend if, if anyone has just like. You know, someone who will give them tens of thousands of dollars. They should. They should definitely just skip. You know, do it because <laughs> every time you build a gym, it's so hard. But um, that was definitely a lot of work. So if if anyone just has you know a rich uncle who would just buy them a gym, then I definitely recommend doing that. But for the rest of us, you know, you have to you know <laughs> you know go through a bunch of iterations. But also the other solutions. Yeah, have, having a partner who will like support you during that transition. And of course, the final question: three words to describe your practice. Right. Um, I mean, I guess the first one that occurs to me is like evolving, probably, or you know, shifting, changing something along those lines. Because um, I, I almost think of the analogy of you know how they say you can never look at the same stream twice, type of thing, where you know, is different water flowing through all the time. In a way, for me, my parkour practice is like the stream bed, and that's kind of this consistent, you know, um, structure and methodology, but. The the things that I'm doing and the effects they're having on me and the the thoughts that I'm having while I'm training is sort of like constantly shifting and changing, and that's kind of just interesting to notice and to kind of try to der- derive whatever lessons there are inherent in that fact. Um, you know, for for a while there, I feel like I was, you know, for example, trying to build up to bigger and scarier jumps in order to cross some threshold in my mind of like, okay, now I've done now something. I can jump, right? Yeah, that's like legit or or whatever. Um, you know, and and anymore I'm I'm just less interested in, you know, I feel like I, I, I cross some thresholds like, okay, like I've done some scary jumps and blah blah blah. And sometimes I'm still like drawn to those, but for the most part, I find that I'm more drawn to like quirky Interesting kind of creative movement, and that's like really what jazzes me up, and I get really excited, or just kind of really like flowy, fluid root stuff, you know. So it, it's it's interesting the the different the way the practice kind of evolves, and you know the way that you know you have different places you are in your life, and that and that will affect it. You know, there 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 was times in my life um, in my practice early on where a big part of it is like I just need to like punish myself through physical conditioning, just brutal physical conditioning. Um, and then you know maybe there's some times where I'm like oh I'm just gonna take it easy on myself and do just you know some chill flowy fun work and stuff. But um, the 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 mindset that I'm occupying and the motivation 
it's all kind of just constantly changing. It's not it's not staying one thing, but being able to uh, sort of embrace that and kind of honor that and and not feel like oh well why aren't you doing it this way or because there's no really right or wrong way to practice parkour. There's just like you know what effect is it having on your life? Is it positive or negative? You know how how are your motivations shifting and just kind of like because if this is something that we want to do for the rest of our lives, like many of us do, <clears throat> it kind of can't stay the same thing. Like life right. isn't like that. Um, the the person who you are, the person who I was when I started training is is different, a different version of myself yeah, than person than, than the one now. So like it wouldn't make sense for to try to have it be this static thing. Um, so I guess that would be one word to describe the practice. Another would be, I guess, purposeful or meaningful. I'm trying to think of the right word, but something around the idea that it has created a like a touchstone, like it. it um, it, it's um, parkour has become a a way of thinking about what are correct actions in a given moment, and a way of like imbuing my life with meaning and giving me like a reason to exist. And you know, I, I feel like yeah, definitely before I trained parkour, there was a, a a large time in my life where I was just like killing time and just you know fluttering about, and there was no kind of um, organizing principle around my life. And then parkour just creates that organizing principle, which like. Is what I'm doing going to help me be a better practitioner or worse? And it helps you make different decisions, you know. Like in, like we touched on, you know, a little bit earlier. You know, in some of my younger days, I would like party really hard right. and you know do self-destructive behaviors and and all these things. And you know, when especially for a bunch of those years where you know my main training things were just those epic long Sunday sessions, right. like. If I was going out and getting hammered Saturday night, I would, you know, that just day was is lost. You and then, took okay, it from yourself, right? Right, exactly. Like the cupcake. Do you want to eat the cupcake? You have to carry it over the wall. Right. right. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like you know, um, get, getting into that. You know, what what do you want more? Do you want more to do these like self destructive behaviors that seem fun in this moment, or do you want to like be ready to train? You know, make gains the next day. Yeah. So. um and and just what type of person in the in in the narrative about yourself that you're that you're holding, what type of character do you want to be in the narrative of your own life? Um, and parkour just helps kind of create that yeah that organizing principle where I ended up ma- I just start making different decisions and my whole life has just been like a much more healthy, happy, satisfied version than than I've had than I've been able to find before that and just so many other things tend to like fall into place in one's life outside of that and i've found that like parkour if i had to point to one thing that had changed between you know my kind of like Dylan 10 and Dylan 20 right? exactly yeah my like angry dissatisfied um anxious you know past self and and now which, which is more kind of like satisfied and and sort of like calm and at peace parkour like has to be that thing that that changed that um, all these other changes kind of flowed from. So I, I would say, like, you know, purpose making or something. That if, that, if that's a word that we can <laughs> hyphens are free, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, I mean, I guess the the final one would just, and this kind of just brings us back to the initial description of myself that it was, you know, just blissful. I just like love training so much, um, and it's fun. That's kind of like the main. Point of a, of a lot of things, and and you know when we talk about you know touching on what we were talking about before about success and like, I mean because all of us as human beings like, look at the end of the day like we're just like animals that got smart enough to like realize that we were here and started having to think about like why and you know so it's like you know like the dog doesn't have that these problems she's just like oh I'm being <laughs> pet or I'm not me, yeah right? <laughs> everything's all good just in the moment, um, and so 
you know, when we're constructing um, meaning our lives or, or, or deciding like what's important, I, I, I definitely feel that just having as much just joy in like as many moments of joy is like one way to like measure your, you know, how, how well things are going. And so parkour has just been this like joy generator, you know, the moments of what, whether it's, you know, feeling great after overcoming a physical conditioning challenge or breaking a jump or just fun and just play mm-hmm. and just a chill session with, with friends or like, Ooh, like what's that thing you did? Like, I want to try that thing. And that just, it, it, it just, it creates so many opportunities for just, you know, moments of bliss and joy and happiness. Um, and that's, I guess it has to be one of the reasons why I just want to keep training all the time. Thank you very much, Dylan. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Greg. Thank you for listening. You can go directly to this episode's notes and transcript at moversmindset.com slash 15. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to moversmindset.com where you can support us with any amount of your choosing.